Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to um, another episode of The Followers. Here we are on episode 19 and today we have another guest for you, uh, Padre Calhoun. He is uh, head coach with CrossFit uh, Galway and um, he's presenter of the Humble Coach podcast. So we're going to dive into a few questions around uh CrossFit today, uh, the CrossFit community and uh, his career and what's kind of brought him to where he is now. So welcome, Padraig. Uh, thanks, lads. Yeah, no, so I appreciate the, the shout. Um, so I suppose, yeah, like, like that, I'm the, the head coach currently of um, in CrossFit Galway. Uh, we're kind of based in Ormore, just outside Galway City. Um, I've been been there about the last maybe seven, eight years. Um, I've but been involved in CrossFit, I suppose, from since about 2008 um the it's funny I always I was only talking about it recently that I I I think I nearly kind of have two coaching careers or two like different halves of a coaching career so like I have my CrossFit coaching career or kind of CrossFit career which is from 2008 or so but I've been um kind of coaching on and off since I was about 16 um before that and like working in different gyms and different sports and stuff like that so um be it in soccer and Gaelic or rugby or boxing is my main, main kind of sport and stuff back in the day. So a mixed bag of, um, I suppose, activities to get to where I, I am now. But um, the, yeah, I suppose I started out. The, so when I got into CrossFit um, at the start, it's funny, I think probably a, a lot of people would start with the CrossFit level one and they'd just be looking at opening a gym and getting stuck in that kind of direction um myself and uh and a few friends when i came back i was in the states in 2007 coaching um coaching soccer and came back was kind of arsing around for a bit um and then moved back up to Galway and we got into crossfit with uh, another lad and at the time in 2008 there was like there was maybe a handful of people around the country really doing it there was a couple of gyms there was one in belfast one in in dublin a couple of lads in cork at it and there's maybe us kind of headbangers in, in Galway at it and I'd say for the next two to three years, we were pretty much kind of based in Salt Hill. We were um, training on the beach, training in the park two or three nights a week. Um, just like horse and kettlebells around and stones and sprints and like all kinds of antics using the, the playgrounds and nearly kind of getting ran out a few times and just a lot of fun like that. But at one stage, I think we had about 20 people on the beach on a Saturday morning, like just out of the, for the crack. like <laughs> So... But that was all a bit mad. So there was iterations of it um, before and stuff. But then, uh, and a few different people had gotten kind of involved and stuff. But um, one of the the lads then, Ronan, he, um, I suppose the, the, there's a, the place I'm in at the moment um, kind of opened up in 2013, maybe 2012 or so officially um, as a, a CrossFit facility, but was kind of doing a good bit of it beforehand in another area. Um and the owners of that, Tom French and Claudia Vinoli, were um, were getting really into the the CrossFit kind of mode, and they brought Ronan on, my friends, and then I came back. I came on board as well, then kind of 2013, and have kind of been there ever since. Um, and at the moment, we're going through a lot of, like I was saying to the lads, we're going through a good few changes of, be it the facility look, obviously with kind of COVID situation and, and stuff like that, and and just kind of pushing the. The facility on and um going even into some of the questions you're, you you guys were mentioned um already about like what the future would hold and 
and kind of ways to to work CrossFit and what the hell CrossFit is going to look like in a few years time compared to what it was. Um, but that's kind of a, I suppose, a simple background from for me. I'm from Mayo as well, so for my sins. Well, Mayo slash Dublin actually, so it's even worse. Like <laughs> you mentioned, there kind of two coaching careers, kind of in other sports, and then into CrossFit. Did they inform each other much, or did one lead to maybe change in your practices and the other? Like obviously they were at different times, but yeah. So I think like that's one of the things I suppose where like I didn't do my level one for a few years uh, until a few years ago, really. Um, and like I'm saying, I was and I my main sport, a couple. I suppose the kind of main sports myself and and some of my family were playing when we were younger were was boxing and uh, amateur boxing and soccer and Gaelic football and and rugby for the kind of teenage years and. At the kind of around 16, 17, I got into that. And then I was um, really into it over in, in college and stuff like that. And then moved back, moved up to Galway and was just always kind of involved in it. But I was, um, there's a few things, I suppose a couple of particular um, coaching experiences that I remember that would would help me an awful lot even now still. So um, I worked in Crunch Fitness, which would have been um, in NUI kind of maybe what 20 geez, let me see, 2004 2005 maybe or something like that 2005 um and at the point at that point there was probably there was just a huge amount of high quality athletes and and coaches and stuff around um and so being able to, to kind of soak that up was pretty class and and hang out with a lot of those people and and really get into a good mentality about be it both high performance and kind of regular performance. A simple example was I was was teaching spinning for a while and we'd have, um, I don't know how controversial some of this is going to be, but sure. Go for it. Um, but it was funny. We'd, um, and I wouldn't be normally a great endurance athlete now. I'm not a triathlete or any of this kind of crack, but we'd teach spinning classes and we'd have regularly um, some of the really high profile um, kind of auctioneers and property guys and stuff around Galway would come in on their lunch hours um, and do spinning classes. Now, these guys would do 110, 120, 150K at the weekend as it is like, and they'd have all the gear and the whole ass. And they're like high performing enough kind of characters. Like they don't mess around. Like they're nice guys, but like they don't hang around too much. They're in and out. They'll, they want to get this not beaten out of them and then they want to meet, leave like. So when you have to kind of push those guys to the edge, <laughs> you kind of realize quickly enough, what kind of what kind of maximum effort feels like <laughs> um while you're talking a lot as well so it was a bit mad and things like that but as well as that you're just dealing with normal people you're dealing with really high profile um kind of semi-professional athletes a lot of the american students and stuff would be over and you just like any any university you're really exposed to to lots of interesting characters and um things like that i suppose i before i went to the states in 2007 i was doing all of my um my FAI certs and stuff and and there was a a point was a bit surreal sometimes but uh, I suppose I'd be a big fan of of Brian Kerr and his kind of ilk coaching wise um but Noel O'Reilly his uh his assistant was on the course with us and and um Park Middleton a few different characters and at one stage I was playing at the back in a five sides with Noel O'Reilly uh, it was just a bit weird. I was just like, this is a bit mad. And he's just kind of shouting, go here, go this, do this, tidy this up. And I'm like, okay, this is just a bit mental. But, um, and that, so that all of the, there's loads of other things like involved in loads of different, like 
different sports and, and I suppose different kind of gym bits and pieces. I like try to set up, help friends set up a few different gyms and stuff over the years. But it, to inform me into to CrossFit, yeah, I think it gave me a huge a huge base awareness of where people are at and where the majority of the, the challenges come from when it comes to somebody getting into fitness, be it a CrossFit or a particular sport or just a gym or whatever it is. Like, I suppose the main things it gives you is it gives you, a, or it gave me at least a really good awareness of base S&C or at least exercise physiology and bringing that into, I always kind of say that I, I don't really coach CrossFit. I coach I suppose I coach an S&C based CrossFit, if that makes sense. <laughs> it sounds a bit weird, but um, yeah. it's all based on, I suppose, very straightforward principles. And I try, try not to mess around too much with that because you can go down the rabbit hole of kind of crazy CrossFit and just be kind of destroying people with burpees constantly and, and all that. But there's much, much better ways and much easier ways to, to kind of work it than, than just that. I that's, that's, that's music to our ears saying stuff it's, like that <laughs> and kind of brings us on to where we want to look yeah, at next pass the test <laughs> so say in terms of like using that S&C base would there be ways and maybe just give us an overview in case there's anyone listening who doesn't know what CrossFit is because it might be something that could oh my god this is a game changer that brings me into fitness give us that little overview and then maybe take it towards how it could possibly benefit sports because I know you work with a couple of field sports you're working with a ladies football team there earlier this year before it all went yeah with it yeah, no, with the, with the Camogie team, yeah. So I suppose the, the base kind of element to CrossFit, so when I, when I describe CrossFit, it's kind of funny. I uh, I don't want to go mad on the analogies because I, I was only thinking, like, um, I don't know if anyone saw the the news last night and um, George Watchko, George Lee loves a, a bit of a strange analogy about the banisters and this kind of crack, and I won't go too mad into that, but I do love a good analogy. Um, I like to, to look at CrossFit as essentially um, kind of like World of Warcraft. Um, it's just this epic game and it's uh, it's really, really hard to beat. Um, it's very unlikely you'll beat the game. But um, you're basically combining a, a lot of really challenging sports or activities into uh, an ongoing kind of game, I suppose, so to speak. So the way I like to look at it is um, it, it's basically... Now, there's a couple of ways to play this. First one really is... How do I say it? In old, in old CrossFit language, nearly, let's put it say, there's old and there's kind of new CrossFit language, in my opinion. Um, there is increased work capacity. So the goal is to increase your work capacity across broad time and modal domains, which means essentially just from 30 seconds to three hours um, doing gymnastics or weightlifting or running or cycling or whatever it is. You want to increase your general work capacity. So the work capacity improvement is the, the main goal or main priority. Um, that's done by a focus on nutrition, a focus on metabolic conditioning, gymnastics, weightlifting, and then be it the actual sport or the gamification of the actual exercise, so to speak. Now, most people look and straight away go towards the um, the Metcon and they're like, or else the weightlifting. So they look, go, okay, well, I can do a 400 meter run. I can do 25 burpees. I can do 25 pull-ups or I like something like Murph, which some, uh, some people might be kind of aware of the workout Murph which is your mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, another mile run. Um, and we'll talk about the kind of details of that in a while. But um, basically, we're trying to, when you get into CrossFit, you're trying to build a broad general um, base of fitness or balance of fitness, so to speak. So you're trying to, to balance out all of the general, general physical skills 
Um, and a kind of a simple way to describe it is imagine if you had a graph and you had 10 little, you had 10 points on the bottom, you had strengths, speed, power, da, da, da. And then you had zero to 10 on the, um, on the high axis. And you're basically looking at charting exactly where you're at and kind of finding out what your actual fitness is at the start. And then from there going, okay, well, how sustainable is that across time? Um, but also where are the major weaknesses? So if something like strength is a, a very, very big weakness of yours, improving that quite a bit. So we look at something simple like a triathlete. Um, their endurance might be fantastic. Um, maybe not necessarily their speed, their flexibility not, might not be the greatest. Their strength might not be the greatest, but um, their cardiovascular endurance is phenomenal. Um, and they might be a couple, might be okay at some other bits and pieces as it is, but we, I suppose in the CrossFit world, we wouldn't consider them very fit. We'd consider them as fit as they are balanced across the 10 general physical skills, if that makes sense, or your, your, your physical skills. So in that context, when it comes to, to transition over towards like a team sport or a field sport, um, there's probably a few different ways I think it benefits an awful lot. Now, obviously you can't, it's not going to directly benefit. Like you, if, you, if a team pulls, pulls in and does CrossFit only as their preseason, they are lunatics, like straight up. Um, because you're essentially like, it's essentially like taking a hockey team and going, we're going to do hockey training and then we're going to play GEA. It's just not the same. Like it's, you can't do that. Like, um, but that said, there is, there's definitely parts of it where in the off season or in season, I think there is a huge amount of scope for it. I think most people forget, I think uh, underestimate the fact that it's nearly kind of a Venn diagram, essentially, like that you can have CrossFit and you can have field sports and there's a middle piece where there definitely is a lot of crossover and it's a bit bigger than a lot of people think, I think. There's, there's a small little part where there's actually a decent size of crossover. Like there'll still be squats, there'll still be deadlifts, there'll still be an emphasis on quality, there should be at least. There's still an emphasis on variable reps and sets and the amount of actual loading um, I suppose over the last few months, I've even been more and more conscious of the amount, and I suppose, well, even the last few years, the amount of loading that goes into each individual session. So a simple, silly example, I suppose, is something like Murph. So now I'm not great on the numbers, so I'm not going to go too heavy duty on it when it comes to, to field sports. But when it comes to something like, there's two, exa two, two simple examples of CrossFit workouts. One's called Fran and one is called Murph. So Murph has... Like I said, it's a mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, another mile run, and it's a four-time workout. Now, when you think of the amount of actual contractions in that, so you already have 600 contractions, movement contractions, in the, the basic calisthenics as it is, never mind the actual foot strikes or the, the couple that's four or five K or five or six K odd running you're going to do. So something like six or 7,000 odd potentially contractions of some kind is a bit mad so when most people look at that and go jesus christ that's a considerable amount of actual contractions you would have would that be the same in a field sport probably not like over the space of a week or two maybe but that's where when we talk about the injury stuff that there needs to be a certain amount of of overreaching of course but there doesn't need that there's a there's a time for competition and there's a time for very much for training. Um, the other option would be something like Fran, which is essentially 21, 15, nine of pull-ups and then thrusters. So you're kind of front squat into push press essentially with barbell. Um, and you would do that over and back for time, but that's also on the other opposite end of it. So that's on like 
two to three minutes, five to 10 minutes, whatever it is. If something like that workout at a moderate loading takes you 15 to 20 minutes, then there's two things at play. You're either very inexperienced or your strengths are is quite low, um, or you're just, and this is where the, the kind of squirrely stuff kicks in, you're, you're early to the CrossFit game and the understanding of exactly what it is and what you're supposed to be doing, what, what, what you're there for in general. Because most people, if they want to get into CrossFit, they want to get a bit of fun, uh, they want to get a bit more training on, or they think that they're not getting enough from their current training, they'll push into that and kind of look for another stimulus. Um, but when it comes to the transition or that the transfer into sports, and into in general any kind of sport, I would say that the the main focus should be on using it as a place to an option an option to shore up some weaknesses that you might have. So it's a fantastic place for for off season training, I think, um, for any sport. So mainly because the majority of the time, the majority of good coaches will have um, a base level of strength. So in, in our gym, for example, we would have a six week template of general strength that we would loop through on a pretty consistent basis. And we just kind of keep working that. So that's, that's the foundation of it, no matter what. So all the conditioning pieces and all these other kind of mad looking things are very much the icing at the top, but they're not the, not the sponge right? um, because it needs to be based very much on simple strength work. You get your normal consistent routine kind of going for that. Some assistance work on top of that relative to, to whatever the movement is. If it's squatting, um, then we kind of work on all the different variations of the, the squat within that, be it in the warm-up, be it in the, the accessory work kind of segment. Um, core work can kind of mix bag around it, but also then we'll complement the actual strength work with the, the conditioning kind of work. So I suppose a lot of the place, a lot of the time, I think the important way to work it is for us as field sport athletes um, or a team sport athlete at least is coming in with a, a, a not a pre preconceived notion of that. Okay, well, CrossFit should, is going to help me fix this situation. It's going to fix my hamstring strength. It's going to fix my speed. Da da da. Because it's probably not going to do that. Like it, I think some people look at that. It's not. That's not a realistic scenario. That said, inadvertently, it probably will if you're consistent with it. And because you're getting such a reaction to different stimulus that it's a, a bit of a different stimulus, at least you're immediately going to be able to, okay, build my bit of upper body strength or at least maintain it when during a normal off season, you might be much more isolated into a, a certain zone, if that makes sense. I don't know. That's, that's some, some things I think that I would, I would be saying to for field sport athletes is if they can use that as a, either an in-season thing that they kind of do once or twice a week and it doesn't interrupt their general training and and they're obviously keeping an eye on the load and, and their fatigue kind of positions and stuff. But preseason is a, is an amazing shout or even that kind of off season is, is a super, super place because it's, it's essentially what you're doing in your normal kind of training, but you're actually maybe missing a few bits and pieces because it's so sport specific that your, your preseason is, is kind of involved in. So I don't know. That's uh, some thoughts. Yeah, no, that's a really good outline of it. You mentioned the Venn diagram there uh, and the, the interlinking between what's CrossFit, what's field sports. Would you maybe touch on the key things that are in the interlinking, but also maybe some of the points that you're not going to get from CrossFit? That like you say, you said like great for preseason, but not the only thing. What are maybe some yeah. things you might be missing there? Yeah, no, I suppose so. The big one for me there would be, and uh, we'll probably talk about it in a while, and with the um, with regards to the injuries and stuff like that. So. The probably the main thing really is that 
we'll all know this as well. The majority of, of straightforward kind of base SNC movements to get you either stronger or a bit faster or a bit better at muscular endurance are vitally important regardless of what kind of age you're at or what kind of sport you're at. So um, there's very few um, few sports that won't involve some level of squatting in their warm-up, their main phase, their even their conditioning to a small extent, if it's flipping rugby or whatever it is, like you're squatting down to do a thrust to jump up or whatever it is. Um, so the main, I think probably the main focus is there should be always uh, an emphasis on your squat, your press, your deadlift. Now, I think the big thing really is there's a lot of CrossFit. The one nice thing about the that kind of part of the Venn diagram is there's a big emphasis on the very straightforward movements. So your squat, your bench, or your your floor press, which I, we're kind of big fans of. Um, your deadlifts, your RDLs, your pull-ups, your weighted pull-ups, your push-ups, your weighted push-ups. So, um, and then all of the accessory bits and pieces on top of that, loads of single leg work, any kind of step-ups, any kind of single leg squats, any kind of skater squats. Um, and I suppose it's kind of, it's a hard one to, to know sometimes because the problem with CrossFit is sometimes there's a, there's a huge variety of different ways of doing it or people that the ways that people do it so the way i would coach it and the way i would program it is quite different sometimes than a lot of other people because it's such a an affiliate model rather than a franchise so i i can't do exactly i'm not told by cross hq like you have to do this that's the situation um because i've been doing it for 12 years at this point <laughs> i'm very aware of exactly how to do it and i was there at the start when all the kind of bs and stuff was going around so i, I kind of have an idea of where how, how it needs to be meshed in correctly. But like you mentioned, there's no reason for me, as far as I'm concerned, if there's any kind of field sport athletes, you can pick anybody, a corner forward, a corner back, a camogie player, a, uh, a hockey player, whatever it is, they can always improve on their upper body strength. They can always improve on their single leg strength. They can always improve on their split stance strength and their power development, be it via push presses or push jerks or split jerks or whatever it is. And it, the loading is all relative on that because the emphasis is always on the positional improvement and positional quality. Um, and the, I think sometimes there can be a temptation for um, CrossFit purists to go, look, your split jerk needs to be unbelievably amazing. And they're like, okay, we need to spend a bit of time on this. Now we have to get you really strong at this, which is just madness because you're, you're not identifying that, okay, this field sport athlete is coming to you for a particular reason. Now, this is where there's a bit of a kind of a challenge. If you're, if I'm playing football, if I go to a preseason of football, then I'm, I'm expecting to play some football. So you walk into a CrossFit gym and you're going to a CrossFit class, then it's likely you're going to be expected to do CrossFit or have at least a bit of a CrossFit mentality to it. Um, which it depends on the, co on the coach and it depends on the facility, what type of an emphasis that is. I suppose I can only speak for uh, my own circumstances and, we're very, very heavy duty on the quality of movements. And this goes into a couple of other questions I think you we were talking about. The quality of movements pretty much trumps everything else. Um, so the emphasis on very good basic strength, very good base energy system conditioning um, without going over the top on it, not very specific depending on, um, on the field sport as such, but just general conditioning throughout the, the kind of various zones. Um, we'd be a big, big fans of that. And, the main thing is we don't have an awful lot of athletes that would come in and go, okay, well, I have to use CrossFit for this. We'd have an awful lot of people who we who probably would have played sport in the past, 
um, or would not have necessarily, but they would actually probably be able to, they'd have the good fitness levels to be able to handle a particular field sport or something like that at a, even a, a moderate level. They may not have the skills and the skills is always going to be the, the kind of deal breaker in all of these activities, but that would be the main kind of areas. So I think that just that big emphasis on, on basic strength, on basic conditioning, um, on, on the quality of movement would be the, the, the biggest priority um, by, by a country mile, I would say, um, in that context. Possibly missing out a bit on the, the kind of true speed element there. Like there's never really an opportunity in CrossFit to, to sprint for like, you know, that the kind of 20, 30, 40 meter sprint is probably for field sport. The one thing you'd identify mm-hmm. as missing out, but it does develop so much other stuff that that's why it's, it, it's a great tool to improve overall conditioning, but to be your only option is probably missing out on, on that one thing. Oh yeah. And I agree. Like there's no way you would be able to, to utilize that as, as a, a primary conditioning option for field sport. There's no way like it, you could, but like, and this is where I suppose we talk about it more in a while, but there, because of the the length of time the CrossFit's I suppose, been in existence, there's now a much bigger expansion into lots of different areas of speciality. So there's a gymnastic speciality. There's a lot more weightlifting specialities. There's a lot more of like Chris Hinshaw, for example, with aerobic capacity is perfect for, um, he's a really, really fantastic person for uh, improving quality of your aerobic work, be it short, fast work or, um, long slow are like more more distance oriented and he's helped a huge amount of people by really working much more specifically with interval work with um rate monitoring and the whole lot so there's there's a huge amount of more speciality characters helping out um bring a, a better quality of of awareness to that but on the base product, yeah, like it's not like I'm not going to say to if, if somebody comes into me and goes, look, I want to get faster, but I, I should do CrossFit for it. And I'm like, no. Now, that said, we're not going to directly impact that on their sprinting. But we know for a fact that if they have holes in their game in general, like their hamstring strength is not very good or they have um, poor quality running mechanics as it is. Their upper body strength is quite is either is, is either too heavy duty, so they are actually too top heavy. There's different bits and pieces going on. They've got muscle imbalances all over the shop. Doing CrossFit on a on a patient and a consistent basis will help shore up those a huge amount, so that it probably could inadvertently improve your your 20, 30, 40 meter time as it is. But yeah, like it's rare enough that you're going to be spending that length of time purely because of the type of activity it is like, there's such a variety of different stuff that we will, you will sprint every so often, but it's not going to be, not going to be mad common. Um, the same as a, a lot of other activities. You're, you just mentioned there the expansion across over time. And I, I know Damon has a few questions he wants to hop in with there as well, but I just think it's important that do you think CrossFit expanded partly because the level of athlete competing, particularly as you go to CrossFit Games, it had to expand just to provide more challenges and be more all-encompassing? Or was it partly driven by the fact that some of the top athletes identified a particular strength and went a bit more in that direction? Such as, like, you now have some people competing in Olympic lifting at the Olympics, or at least um, continental championships, who found their way there through um, CrossFit. Was it partly that, or was it just to give her a greater array of challenge to the top level athletes? Well, yeah, I think it's actually both. The second one definitely is a big one. Like, so what you found, I suppose, and there's some mad kind of statistics and and different people these days that um, 
have been putting an unbelievable performance together. So we'll, we look at the, the current games champions, uh, Matt Fraser and T. Claire Toomey. So they have, over time, built quite a quite an ability level. Um, now, they didn't lick it off a flick and off a stamp, like, you know what I mean? They Matt Fraser, for example, his parents went to the Olympics, the Winter Olympics before. He's got a, he was um, an Olympic level weightlifter himself. Um, T. Claire Toomey was a really, really high level athlete um, when she was younger. Now, she wasn't as, as spectacular as Fraser, but she was pretty high level as it was. But like I, like I mentioned about my kind of career, they would have all had different careers, high level, high performance careers that they would have, that none of those, like a lot of those things are going to bring, they would bring into their CrossFit career. So they could, they could play a flip and tiddly winks and they'd be really good and they'd be really analytical about it and how to, to manage the loading and how to appropriately attack it. Because the, I think of it this way, the, well, the amount of people doing CrossFit at a high level expanded quite a lot over a few years because it just exploded in popularity and it was getting really interesting. And there were some really, really class um, athletes that were coming from really good um, other backgrounds and they're going, look, I'm going to take it. I'm going to have a go at this because like, I can handle it. You know what I mean? I've, I've played really high level da, 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 before. I'm able to, to do this. Um, and that pushed them on quite a lot. But I think an awful lot more of it was the... Some some de- some some coaches and some gyms and some uh, particular entities in the in the sport kind of just pushed. They were like, "Look, we, we're not waiting on everybody else. We're just doing our own thing." Um, and they've just kind of taken off. So a simple one like Rich Roning, um, who would have done really really well in the games, was one of a number of times. Um, but Tia Claire Toomey and Matt Fraser both train with him at his gym in uh, in Tennessee. And there's a phenomenal amount of other games athletes that would go there constantly to, to chat with them. But he also went off on his own kind of own. Like he's still very affiliate, very much affiliated with CrossFit, but he has his own complete company and kind of whole community otherwise. Um, but I think that's probably one of the biggest things is that there was a need. There's there's a very easy recognition from a lot of coaches that like, okay, this the standard is much, much higher now. So we have to, really steal an awful lot of other ideas from stuff that's like, so with the, within the CrossFit kind of methodology, no different than a lot of other things, there's a considerable amount of weakness in it too, as in there's a number, like you mentioned about the sprinting. So there's not a big emphasis on sprinting. There's not a big emphasis on um, sustained Olympic weightlifting to get really, really good at that. Like, so you could spend five or 10 years getting really, really good at snatching and clean and jerking. And then you would be at a, a decent level in weightlifting, maybe not necessarily Olympic level, but you're not going to get to that point unless you dedicate that level of time to it. And when it comes to the games, one of the the most interesting things, I suppose, the last couple of years is that the, the look of the games, especially in the highest, highest kind of levels, as being very much a job. So it's very much um, a straightforward, like you go to work, you get your business done, you make your money, you get out of there. And it's very much like that shorter career kind of mentality like a lot of sports would have. Now it's becoming more and more common. Uh, it's a lot more of a younger group, uh, age group that's now involved in it. There's nobody really past 30, 32 or so odd who's performing at a phenomenal level in it. They are, but they're in a the age group kind of a scenario. Whereas it's now becoming, now what's happening more and more is interesting is you have younger and younger people 16 17 18 19 
getting to a really, really high level of ability. And now in the next three or four years, you're going to see some ridiculous kind of performances. And you're going to like, you won't necessarily see a Fraser again, I don't think, but you wouldn't be a million miles away from a few different characters, like putting some serious kind of business in over the next few years, because they just, they just have such an awareness of periodization, such an awareness of planning and organizing and, I suppose really just breaking down the entire year and it's very much now um, an event defined sport rather than just a day-to-day for them if you know what I mean and, and even Froning himself he played college baseball wasn't it so was a decent athlete in his own right yeah. he's also he's kind of renowned now for being just an amazing programmer and period period periodizer periodizer anyway close enough anyway he's great at period, periodization but he's kind of, like, as you were saying, that's become such a big thing. He's kind of, he kicked that off in a very big way. I suppose the fact that Matt and Tia train with him probably speaks volumes as well. Mm. Yeah, I think he's he's an interesting one. I, I suppose, and this is, I have kind of different opinions when it comes to the programming side of things. So the programming is a weird one because CrossFit's an inherently challenging sport to program for, as it is. So, it, like, we'll say with a, a GA team or with a soccer team or something like that, you have you have very confined um, restraints of exactly what it is. You have eleven players. You have very positional specific. You have potential um, amount of mileage per game that such and such would be taking on. So you can really kind of tighten back and go, okay, this is exactly what each player needs to be doing as a base level of volume or speed work or whatever it is. Um, when it comes to CrossFit, though, you have such a, a mixed bat. Like there is a, I suppose, a certain amount of exercises or a, a typical enough type of framework of workouts that will come up regularly enough. So there's, there's always going to be pull-ups, there's always going to be burpees, there's always going to be power snatches, there's always going to be um, some running, whatever it is. So you can you can kind of factor those in, but you actually have to look at, I, I think you nearly a lot of the time when it com- comes to programming CrossFit, you have to look back at the actual movements that are, are likely to come up and then where the person is at that. So you can't actually... It's a hard one to force to force the the athlete to the point of the games because or I suppose to the games level because you're basically just trying to shore up exactly what the weaknesses are with the individual athlete. So someone like Matt and Tia, for example, is hilarious because both of them over the last few years have just improved on their own qualities. They're not really that stressed about the competition. Um, they're very much filling in their own gaps. So I look at it, this sounds a bit mad, but I meant to say it's kind of towards the start, but for me, CrossFit is like, do you know when you defrag the computer and all the little squares come up, little, little boxes come up, and they're like, some of them are green and some of them are gray and some of them are red and the whole ash kind of thing like that. Do you guys know what I mean by that? That's essentially what we, what I look at when I see a CrossFit, a person coming into CrossFit. I'm like, okay, well, how dodgy is your hard drive at the moment and how much positive, how much progression is there potentially available? How much white space is there available? And someone like me, Matt and Tia, they didn't have a huge amount of white space, but essentially they're, it's like getting to 99% and then it goes 99.01%, 99.02%. So they're at that level. And when you when you get to that point, then it becomes very significant periodization. But I think a huge amount of it comes more towards their their interest in that. So like um, Shane Orr, who's, who's Tia's um, husband, programs for them and 
he's a, he's a fairly savvy dude but like he's again he's always mentioned that he's like he's looking for the tiny tiny little pieces he's like looking for a small little bit more knee bend in that power snatch compared to five kilos of a jump or whatever it is you know what i mean so at, at, at all levels there's it's like um if you're if i didn't play if i play if i go out playing hurling now i'm not a hurler if i go out playing hurling now um my skill level is extremely low compared to inter-county hurlers so but my conditioning could easily be relatively decent in a in a period of time but i think the 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 programming element of it i think the the real crux of it is in the skills improvements and the awareness improvement like so the mental improvement of actually looking at themselves as professional athletes and as gamers if that makes sense nearly to an extent so that's i suppose i think froning is fantastic but i think he 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 recognizes that that it's it's the game you're trying to beast rather than um than the other athletes well i think kind of as maybe earlier days because t has kind of taken over a bit now but early days crossed it maybe a few years ago it was much more interesting on the women's side of things because i feel how it was programmed would determine the winner much more whereas for like 10 years now the men's one has either been dominated by Froning or Frazier but the women's one I felt was so not sport dependent but like you could see different people had different strengths it was really interesting to see how people dealt with how it was programmed yeah no no I agree I think it was I think it will be again uh, in time because there's a lot of really interesting younger younger athletes now kind of depend. this I think where it kind of depends on where the where the new CEO kind of wants to take it and where the games are kind of going to end up because the, I suppose a simple example was there was a thing years ago and it's got kind of still a little bit going, but it, it went a bit dodgy for a while. There was a thing called the grid league um, um, and kind of primarily based in the States, did a, bit, a little bit in Europe and stuff as well, but basically it's essentially just fitness racing. So it's CrossFit for uh, kind of racing essentially. So you'd have a grid set up in the whole lot and your team would start on one end. You go through all these challenges, mad looking challenges, and then go to this. It's like a tiny mini ninja warrior in the space of like 30 meters. Um, and that went, that would look, look class at the time, but it also then it got to a point where it just got so excessive in mad stuff. Like you were just doing backflips onto a 30 inch box, then doing really heavy dumbbell snatches. Then you're doing rope climbs, uh, you know, with one arm and like just, it got hectic. Now it's, don't get me wrong. It's really cool and stuff, fun to watch, but that's where the games could have gone. And they went, oh, oh Jesus, that's a bit fucking sketch. And they've gone much more towards a, a more, I suppose, a more accessible and acceptable um, choice of, of testing fitness, if that makes sense. Um, and I think, that's only going to improve more and more as it goes on because the caliber of athletes are only going to get better um, and they're much more informed. Like even the simple, simple scenario of social media over the last few years has made a huge difference to the awareness of, of younger athletes, exactly what they should be doing. Now, some of it to on a negative level, absolutely, but a lot of it on a very positive level because they're able, if they're able to listen to any of these really high level coaches, be it weightlifting coaches or running coaches or whatever it is about base quality technique and conditioning and stuff like that it's only going to bring everything kind of on a, a huge huge amount so i think i think it will improve again but i think i think it needed a watershed um couple of characters to to push the button and to kind of push the boat on a bit yeah definitely that's a good point on um matt and tia as well just like bringing that level of introspection to their own trend they're not worried about the games they're not worried about what anyone else is doing they're just identifying their own weaknesses and focusing entirely on improving them it's kind of a good philosophy philosophy for training in general to adapt to your own sport or activity or whatever it might be anyway um just last bit on that kind of at the top level how come particularly in females it's just like 
the, the females from Iceland are so strong is because they don't really have a national sport. It was just a big push on CrossFit a few years ago that it's, we're seeing the fruition of it over the last few years? Or what led to kind of, yeah. There's, there's probably a couple of things, I think. Um, I think, yeah, it, we talked a little bit about this, actually, John, there recently, the about the role model type of scenario. And I think, so... It definitely works. So there's different parts of the world that definitely, I think, are more apt and, and open to being influenced by CrossFit. So I think there's something like Brazil. Like CrossFit's unbelievably huge in Brazil. Um, but that's very much because they, they're very active in general. Like their gym situation is very active. They, they love playing lots of different sports, be it volleyball, be it soccer, be it whatever, you know what I mean? And they, they're very interested in that and also very interested in the the gamification of it, the intensity levels that, that come from it an awful lot, the perceived coolness of it is a huge, huge part as well. And I think Iceland to an extent as well, like it's not a, much and all as CrossFit can be looked on as a, an every person sport. It's not really, it, like at on the games level, it's not really for, for really poor people, let's put it that way. Because you can't afford loads and loads of gear like it's going to cost you a fucking bomb um and to also to fly around the world to get all of these things like there's not it's not at a unbelievably high professional sport level where there's that much money flowing around whereas um things like iceland though when you have when you have a, a pocket of a number of athletes that are really really good quality this is what's happening in tennessee as well and a few different places and in certain parts of england certain parts of europe and stuff that um and and it happened in a few different places before in the states that they just have such an uh, such an uh, an amount of quality athletes that they just bounce off each other so much and they also have really really good now i think a big part of it is also the evolution of the structure of the games and the regionals and the sanctionals and how it's actually been played like that because europe for ages um was so it's always been america against the rest of the world pretty much. And it still is like, there's a huge amount more Americans doing it than anybody else. Like China is barely touched. You know what I mean? India is barely touched. All of these, like Russia's barely touched. Like, so you have these unbelievable amounts of other people that haven't even flipping gotten awareness of what's going on with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have all these unbelievable athletes that are sitting there going, well, I've never heard of CrossFit. What are you talking about? And they'd come in and they'd win the games in that with three months exposure to it. Um, so in time that would, would expand. But when it comes to the, the Icelandics, like it helps that, but I think what with the Icelandics, what you have is you have a lot of those kind of characters that went uh, and looked into, had a, had a good amount of introspection from the word go. Um, so they were getting good SNC from the word go. So they were already aware of exactly how to train correctly for this. They looked at it as a game immediately, as another sport straight away, rather than just like smashing yourself into a wall. And over the space of a couple of years, they'll realize, oh, Jesus, okay, I have to train a bit differently for this game. They went straight away from the word go. They were like, okay, well, this is, if we're going to be good at this, this is what we need to do straight away. And that shows because they were able to make such good progress in it. But I think a lot of that comes back to, they recognized that they it was a niche sport that they could do some damage in. And they went, we're going after this like, I, I, that's my opinion, because they, they were able to do that. There are a lot of strongmen come out of Iceland as well, aren't there? So it's kind of that that strength focused uh, kind of sport, I suppose, is probably ingrained in them to to a degree as well. Same way, probably we'd look at us when we GA. It's kind of the field sports are kind of ingrained in us um, to an extent. Um, are, are we gonna? 
covered on the, the kind of the top end there, solids. I, I suppose my my interests really are at the exact opposite end. So uh, we, we you spoke about, you know, your your GA athlete or your rugby athlete coming in or your camogie player um you know coming in and while in their own right and the, in their own sport they can be quite top end but when they step into um into a crossfit gym the skill development that is required for so many of the exercises um you know for pretty much the whether it's snc or whether it's crossfit you know the skill development might not be there but often i suppose there is this kind of view that we're going in to to just go like it's just going in and we're going to we're going to go 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 and that's it and you might kind of I, I, I've come across, um, I suppose, people who have maybe not played any sports in school or, or something like that. And they're like, oh, I'm going to take up CrossFit. And um, and uh, they just they have this idea that's just in and go, go, go. And I suppose my question for you there is, is coaching that, managing that. And uh, um, from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like a lot of people who are just kind of looking at CrossFit as just a way of uh, training and exercise, and they, I'd love to be sending them up to Galway with you because they, I see people go into gyms and it, they go in with this, we're just going to go in and go, 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 and they go in and that's exactly what happens. And the skill development, the, you know, the, the learning the movements, the learning how their body moves, how to improve on, on their techniques, how to improve on their flexibility, mobility, all these things get kind of, you know, push to one side because like we're, we're, we're here to work we're here to go how like you seem to have that nail how do you find that in the crossfit community in general that like it, it it seems to be you know a little bit like one gym is fantastic and then another place is just like well we come here to make people sweat and just put push them through wads it's that that in that 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 first day athlete is the person i'm i'm really interested in there yeah, that's an interesting one. I think I heard it before that um, CrossFit's for uh, anybody, but not for everybody. Um, and the same as like anything. Like I, I wouldn't be a huge fan. Let me see, picking a sport that I don't like that much. There's not too many sports I don't like, but there's probably a couple that I'm like, that's been annoying. Like I don't really like that. Like uh, something. This sounds a bit weird. But rugby league. I'm not actually a huge fan of because I'm like I don't really watch an awful lot of it. So I'm like, okay, well that's possibly one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of it. When I, if I watched it loads and I understood it more, I'd probably love it. I'd be like, oh, this sounds great. Um, I have to say, some of the time, I think um, the challenge, well, first of all, when it comes to somebody getting into it in general, um, my main priority is always on the, the quality of women. And we, we'll talk a little bit, I think, go back to the actual higher level people. And I'm like, so I look at the, the highest, I look at the Olympics. The Olympics would be a huge, a huge interest for me. And, I look at people that are doing really well in the Olympics. Now they're either on drugs or they're really unbelievable athletes or whatever it is, but the majority of the time they're unbelievable movers. So they're really, really efficient movers. So there's no big energy leaks or anything like that. Now that said, there is probably a lot of them that when we, if we broke it down and got really into the biomechanics, we're like, Oh, they're fucking, their foot angle was all over the shop and their knee was dodgy. Oh my God, they're really bad for this. And you know what I mean? We can get into all this kind of mad stuff, but, when you pick a, 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 a sport like CrossFit, you, you can't really get away with not being extremely efficient and really quality mover. Like if you're not a quality mover, you're going to get found out and you're going to get exposed at some point, no matter what it is. So Fraser and Tia, 
um, are quality movers. Like if you look through their movement, there's nothing technically really that bad about them. They're really, really good quality, clean movers. Um, and they understand that that's a vital part. That's the, that's the, that's the gateway to getting, to, to putting all the load on, all the speed on, all the whatever. The, the day one person is a hard one, definitely. And it takes a huge amount of patience to get that. But I think the biggest thing is, I, I explained to people from the word go in the fundamental session. I'm like, lads, you've chosen a really, really hard sport here. Like, are you okay with this? Like, and they're like, what? And like, I just want to get fitter. And I'm like, okay, well, perfect. If you want to get fitter, then you need to have this mentality about it. Like you need to come in three or four times a week. You just turn up, do what you can. Don't stress about it. Don't get dragged into the hype and all the BS about like everyone else giving it loads, putting on all the fucking blue plates and just giving it socks. Like just chill, listen to us. Let us guide you. But if we say go and put the foot on the pedal, then put the foot on the pedal. If we say, uh, just hang tight a bit there, then really hang tight and kind of save yourself. So basically, I, I suppose I look at it and get people to get to the point where it's a, you're either, you're either a person who does CrossFit every so often, or you're a CrossFitter. And if you're a CrossFitter, you can be the one, the lunatic who's in six days a week, seven days a week, you're like, I need to do more. I need to do more burpees because my snatch isn't great, but I need to do more burpees because of that. Like, you know, and I need to do more running. Like, well, no, no, no. You need to fix your, you need to watch yourself doing the feckin' snatch first, then watch yourself doing the running, then check with your coach or talk to somebody else about it. Like look on YouTube and go, come here. What does a snatch actually supposed to look like? Look at some good athletes doing, like, you know what I mean? All of this, the problem really is most people that come into to a CrossFit gym will have, We'll have some preconceived notion of what it is, but a lot of people nowadays won't have any preconceived notion of what it is. It's just another gym. They don't give. They're like, yeah, I, I just like I look class on you on Instagram, sound, and you're like, okay, well, that's that's fine. But then our duty of care really is to to make sure people are safe and steady. And and I think the first thing is, I ask, a lot of time I'll ask and find out what what some of the bugbears are not necessarily what their mad initial goals are, but like, what's an interesting thing that you'd like to get to? Like what version of you is an interesting version that will kind of drag you over to it. Cause if you turn around and go, look, I want to just lose a bit of weight and get a bit fitter. And like, well, what, what exactly does that look like? As in, are you better like at running five miles? Are you better at lifting? Are you better at playing with the kids? Are you better at sleeping? Whatever it is. Um, I think really identifying, first of all, where people are at and not being afraid to kind of expose them to go, look, okay, well, this is good. This is a lot of work here. Like, are you okay with this? Like, we'll, we'll happily help you, but it's, a, it's not a, a short situation. Like, you're, gonna, you're coming into a very complicated game. And if you like games or you're into that kind of stuff, happy days, you'll be fine. But a lot of the time, you're going to be lots of bumps and bruises. So you're okay. I kind of look at it and go, look, give it a couple of years nearly. And they're like, oh my God, a couple of years. And I'm like, well, look, think of it this way. Think of the amount of, of what kind of a person you'd be in a couple of years with this consistency and this level of skill that you just layer on slowly but surely. You'd be a flipping beast, like, you know what I mean? And you'd be a very different person. So I think a lot of the time when it comes to, to the person from day one, my focus and my goal is always to get them curious, but a little bit nervous about what they're getting into. Because if you're not a bit nervous about what you're, you're about to do, then you're not really that switched on about it. You're able to just switch, stand on a fucking cross trainer, just tip away for an hour. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think the activities that you're involved in, you're going to need to be some level of switched on. Like this podcast, I'm, I'm a little bit switched on now, whereas if I'm just chatting to somebody else, I'm like, kind of a bit more relaxed, you know? Um, 
and CrossFit's not an easy thing to do um, in the true sense of the word, but there's loads of ways that it can be done regardless of what age you are for seven-year-olds to 70-year-olds. Like a squat is still a squat. Some of the, the younger adult, younger people are going to be able to squat loads. Somebody else is going to have to squat to a box. And you're like, no, no problem. That's fine. I'm just getting up out of a chair every day. So I'm doing some level of CrossFit when you can construe it like that. <laughs> if you know what I mean, if I do that fast enough. Have you yeah, noticed any common movement deficiencies with, with first timers coming in that you're like, okay, these are kind of two or three things I nearly always need to be aware of. I just like jump it out me. I'm assuming lack of ankle and thoracic mobility are the bigger ones, but but what have you noticed? Yeah, no, no. Well, the ankles, ankles to an extent. See, the for me the big one is obviously the shoulders are a huge issue um, in general. Like most people's thoracic spine is is pretty sketch, mine included. Like it needs loads of work, tons of work. Um, but that said, I think there's an awful lot more, uh, the concept of bracing through the midline, um, into the, the abdomen and, and lower back and glutes is, pff, it's pretty desperate. Like, um, and an awful lot of that is just because you will have either people sitting down an awful lot or, um, they'll, they'll be coming in from work. And then there's this kind of shoot to their, the energy level is going to this. And they're like, well, if you're spending nine hours, maybe 10 hours, because you're either driving to work you're sitting down in the office like if i sat down for 10 hours and then i jump up and i'm doing a load of bits and pieces well, my lower back goes crazy like i'm sure you guys are in a similar boat you know what i mean um if you're sitting down for that long and you don't be patient about the, the warming up it can be quite a challenge most of the time though um the problem really is is movement specific and the the general kind of rule of two or three times pulling to pushing is always recommended um that kyphotic position is is very very di difficult to to get back out of and it takes an awful lot of time to to pull it back out so we have to in the programming pull that slowly but surely back so i think a lot of the time um sometimes crossfit gyms stick with the the tried and tested kind of old way i think of doing it and just smashing people and i'm like no, you got to recognize what what's happening with people in in the world in general, and where people like are in our population, and what exactly impact that's going to have. So I put a ton of burpees in for some in for a group on a consistent basis. I deserve what I get, which is really bad postural situations and bad wrists. Um, that said, if I don't do my due diligence and I don't mention to them, come here, move your hand out a little bit more like that, so it's actually not destroying your shoulder by pulling you into that position. On a consistent basis, it means straight away there's a little bit less pressure on their wrists. So I'm I'm obviously aware that they're they will have challenges movement um, specific wise or, or mobility wise in a, in the shoulder or whatever the wrists. But I'm I'm finding a way to make sure that they can continue on that and then and and be able to maintain some consistency in it. But I'm able to to I suppose to to figure out uh, a sequence of progressions that I can get them back to a good level of that position rather than just being like, come here, I need you to go there. And that's the situation. Like it's very difficult to get that straight out the gap. Like it's going to be, it's going to take some time to, and lots of little touch points to get them to the point where they're aware of exactly what that movement should be like in the efficiency positions, if that makes sense. So that's where I think the, um, the difficulty is always, it's always identifying where somebody's at and and kind of looking at them and stuff like that. And I would be at this point now, we're so used to, so used to kind of checking somebody out and identifying from the word go, like do a squat. And like the warm up always informs me 
a country mile more than than any amount of two-hour assessments or any of this kind of crack like because uh, we know on ourselves to what what movements to put in to expose people um so something like a simple inchworm to a push-up like people break their hearts about that um, so if they can't do the push-up after the inchworm or they can barely get down to the inchworm, you realize, okay, well, it's something else going on. It's something, it's a lower back issue. It's a, a knee flexion issue. It's a, a hip flexion issue that they have. Um, that's poss- possibly because of um, abdominal um, fat, et cetera. Like there's loads of different pieces to it. Um, it's even something like adductor strength. And they're like, well, okay, you widen your feet out do a walkout, an inchworm walkout, and people are like, oh my God, I can barely get out to there with my feet, never mind putting my hands on the ground. So mm-hmm. identifying those bits and pieces immediately, straight away gives me much inf- much more information of exactly what level they need to be introduced at or what level of, of recommendation I need to give them when it comes to the the actual repetitions or the quad. Like I, I'd have no issue whatsoever with anybody squatting to any height of any kind, none. It's very, it's absolutely specific to the person. Now, does it mean that if somebody like kind of does a little half squat that they can do more and they should do more and I can recommend they do more? I just have to find a way of getting them to do more if I find if I think that that's appropriate and they can handle it. Um, it's not that they have to do it. It's not that they should do it. It's that um, it's probably better off if they are able to hit a better range of motion in general for their quality of movement. But if I speak to them like that, they're going to be like, man, what are you talking about? So I just have to have a, a different way of, of kind of working it. Damien only quarter squats. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> well, that's a lie. Um, <laughs> um, I tell, I, I've, I've, my next kind of uh, thought or question for you, and this is actually my, my, my biggest interest in, in CrossFit is I come from a sporting background. I mentioned it to you before we got going to it, but I, I come from a sporting background, team sports, rugby, um, soccer, football, basketball. Um, I did a bit of athletics as well, which would be obviously a little bit more individual. But um, one of the things that about, the, about team sports is the community, the community spirit. Uh, there's a community connection. There's a, um, you know, you meet, you could, you know, I, I lived over in New York for a while. I was in the GA community straight away over there. I, I didn't have to go looking to try and, you know, make friends or anything like that. You just go over and straight in. CrossFit is the one of the few gym settings. It's one of the few gym floors where, you know, that is paramount. That's huge. You can go anywhere. And I, I often think of the the meme that goes around with the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other and it's like, you know, just, you do CrossFit, you do CrossFit, you know, and like people can meet anywhere and it, it connects them. Whereas you don't get that with, you know, your normal gym goers or, uh, or anything like that, you know, you, you, you don't see that connection. But what is it about CrossFit that has really, um, you know, developed such a, a big and strong community spirit so quickly? You know, every, every, as I said, all those other sports, they're around for 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 so long it's just consistent development over time but crossfit has just come in and bang it's uh here we have this 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 tight-knit um broad community what are your kind of thoughts on that or uh, how it's kind of developed yeah it's interesting i i actually equate um crossfitters to gamers like to e-gamers these days like esports um and it purely because like we're looked on as a bit kind of weird. We talk a bit too much about our own sports. 
Um, it's a bit quirky and it's a bit odd because most like, normal SNC or team sports would be like, man, these fake crossfit weirdos are giving the like, what are they at? Like, you know, they're just trying to mix too many bits together, like, and do stuff. Um, which, <laughs> which in turn, I think, makes us makes us build a bit more camaraderie when it comes to that kind of context. But I actually think it's a bit more towards the the gamification that I mentioned at the start. So it's such a big game and such a big challenge that only it's kind of a bit mad nearly only certain people have won the game if you know what i mean so there's only some superheroes that have won the game and you're like or they at least finished certain levels so the rest of us are like man how do we fucking get to this fucking level here what's going on here like we have to play this together and we realize we're, we're very much kind of all in it together uh to because we recognize the challenge of the actual the event and the and the the, the workout and there's nothing the, the, to be fair now, and this sounds a bit kind of funky, but the combination that that combination of gymnastics, weightlifting, conditioning, um, a lot of the time the potency of it is is unbelievably different than a normal team sport or sprinting or whatever it is, because you have to be thinking so clearly about exactly what you're doing um, to be able to make progress in it. So you have to be very very present. Um, so it sounds funny, but I look at certain work cross workouts as the same as actually like a 60 meter sprint. Like you have to be there. Like you're in the middle of that sprint. If you're not like, it's, if it's like a tackle, if you're not fully aware of it, you're going to get hurt. Like you're going to miss a lift. You're going to miss a, a box jump or something like that. Or you're going to miss your, your squats are going to be all over the shop. You're not going to be in good, good, consistent flow. And I think the, there's been a, a way to access a, a, a level of flow that, um, is hard to find a lot of the time and I think when people get a taste for that they realize Jesus lads I'm all over this um, and they kind of I think people are in gener- in, inherently positive and they they want to show that to everybody so that's why we talk about it constantly we're like man you should get into this like, it'd be so good be class like you'll get your ass absolutely handed to you but it feels great afterwards like you might be a bit sore but man it's so cool like you know um, but more so than that, if somebody is suffering through it, we're very aware of exactly how difficult it is. So we're very um, conscientious about it and like, look, we know what you, we know where you're going at. I think a, a big part of it as well comes back to the, the skill development. And there's there has to be such a cross-pollination of um, knowledge and awareness and um different little tips and tricks to get better at certain movements. So we're all essentially trying to help each other out in this game um, to get better at the game because the game is bigger than us, essentially. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's, it's, it's a bit of crack. Like it, it attracts a certain type of character that likes the, the kind of quirkiness of it and likes the challenge and likes kind of going, look, come here and see what the story is here. Like, you know, getting after it. And it's a bit different. I think it also is, it's quite a fun, um challenge because you don't like day to day you don't really know what's coming up and that level of anticipation is hard enough to find in real life um for most people like you we we naturally expect certain challenges but um it's like having a fight every single day and you have to fight a different person each day and you're like man what the hell like you got to change your skills quite a lot and you got to expect a lot of kicks in the like a lot of punches in the face (laughs) and only if you're a really, really good all-rounder are you going to get away with that on a daily basis. But it's even just kind of the psyching yourself up for that. Um, we just need that that solace as well, that we have uh, something, somebody alongside us kind of 
knowing how it feels. I think that's a, a big one. That's class. Um, I, I suppose uh, after that, then the, the only kind of thing, and it kind of comes a little bit from the community aspect of it as well, is um, um, I suppose majority of my work is nutrition based. <clears throat> and um, it's, it's one area that, right, you know, whether it's rugby, football, soccer, wherever it is, I get, you know, different things coming at me. Uh, a private client, so you get random things coming at you the whole time. But um, with CrossFit, I see communities uh, of people who have almost a nutrition belief system develop a little bit more. Whereas, you know, say if I take, you know, the GA, for example, every single person could have a, a little bit of a different idea on, uh, you know, what they should be doing. And then you'd have one or two outliers who are kind of, you know, really, really question. You're like, what are you, what are you at? But with CrossFit, say, if I take a look at, say, the ketogenic diet, you know, which really kicked off there uh, a few years ago, or, um, or, or the vegan diet, stuff like that, the, you find big pods of people in the CrossFit community who will just go, this is the diet, you know, uh, to, to, to follow, or, or paleo diet or something like that, that you know, this is the diet that we need for, for life and for, uh, for, for CrossFit and everything. That, that, that often people can stick into that extreme side. Is it something to do with just the community aspect that you know, everyone buys in together or is it just kind of um, nutrition hasn't kind of gone as, um, or uh, hasn't kind of established itself as uh, securely as it, it probably should in the CrossFit community just yet? Yeah, I think, I think there's probably a couple of things when it comes to that. So I would definitely say that over the, the last number of years, it's evolved quite a bit. I, I think I kind of look at CrossFit as, as um, like this sounds a bit strange, but kind of as a, a rolling stone that has kind of hit a bit of a plateau. Uh, and then it got someone like just kind of, they can boot it there last, like this year. They were like, "Fucking, let's go!" So it's now it's nearly it's 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 about to go absolutely flying, in in evolution because it's going to be pushed to that point. Like, so it's had its 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 um teething problems. It's had its kind of crazies kicking around in it in different areas, um, and yeah, I think a lot of the time when it comes back to the the isolation or the specificness of certain types of nutrition, certain types of training, certain types of methodology, um. There's been there's been a kind of flavor of the month, pardon the pun, but um, at lots of different stages over the evolution of the last few years. Um, I think sometimes there definitely is there's a the problem sometimes with CrossFit because it's a niche enough kind of activity. Um, it can it can definitely attract certain people that realize okay, well I can impact my beliefs on a lot of these people now because they're quite open and there's not a huge amount of awareness around it. They're quite susceptible to a certain persuasion and we can go after them. So even the, the simple mentality of um, the likes of the zone diet as being one of the first um, nutrition kind of protocols that was emphasized in the early cross days. And it still is to an extent, absolutely. But the, the main reason that that was identified at the start and most people come to kind of underestimate it is because it was weighing and measuring of food. So it was a trackable way of improving nutrient quality. Um, but it immediately gets kind of looked like kind of gets um, brought down um, because of some of its negative connotations as well. So it's, it means that people that don't like tracking and, and, and monitoring all of this are going, man, that's BS because I don't like doing that. Well, like well, it, some, for a lot of people, it works hugely well. Um, 
I think over the next, at the moment though, and I think over the next few years, there's a much bigger emphasis on coaching of nutrition than recommending a specific direction of it. Um, I think that's becoming more and more aware, uh, people are becoming more and more aware that's where the, the important quality is because a lot of people have, a lot of high level and experienced coaches have tried all of these different ways, the zone diet, the paleo diet or whatever it is, and very specific ways, very specific protocols and just doing that for a certain amount of time, um, which is fine, but like how sustainable is all of that and how, I, how applicable is that for each individual person? Um, is much more important. I think even the whole concept of that it, it, it requires coaching rather than prescribing is a, a better way of, of looking at it. Because if if I just get a sheet and it's like, right, this is the paleo diet, just follow that. Like, it's highly unlikely I'm going to follow that um, unless I have a real urgency to, unless I have a belief that it's going to do that. Um, the majority of the time though, the belief most people I think will, will go back to the belief in like, hang on, that sounds like BS there. Whereas if there's a coach telling me the very basics of um, fats, protein and carbs and exactly what it does for your system, it, it, this makes you go fast. This makes you go a bit possibly like this. Um, Mike Milan, I was talking to recently, he, uh, he recommended he kind of the way he talks to his players is like um, a higher protein day is a higher repair day. Um, a higher carb day is your fuel day. Like it's essentially in that mentality. You know what I mean? If there's much more of a heavy conditioning emphasis, then yeah, you need to carb up before that if that's going to be your your focus. Um, if there's the the recognition of fat levels and the recognition of the amount of protein and what it's there for, like because it always gets this kind of strange connotation of like, okay, well, these guys should be everyone should be taking protein shakes to get such a, we're like, well, what are you doing this for? Like, and I think that's where there is a, a growing up definitely of exactly what, and I think people like Matt and Tia and things like that have forced everyone's hand to go, okay, well, lads, these guys are so far ahead. What the hell is going on here? And they're like, well, I'm just eating normally. <laughs> and I'm getting coached on my eating relatively straightforwardly. You know what I mean? I'm not living like Fraser got asked a few different times. He's like, what kind of nutrition protocol? And he's like, man, I'm just eating what I need to eat. Like, and I'm just mm. educating myself on exactly what's working for me and um, why am I coaches and stuff like to say he doesn't have a nutrition coach is lunacy. Of course he does have some kind of a nutrition coach, mm. um, but he's not following paleo only as mm. verbatim. You know what I mean? It's, it's ludicrous to, to look at that. So mm. I think that's one of the biggest things that will be happening over the next few years is, is the concept of coaching of nutrition rather than, and, and, and consistent awareness of exactly. And I think this is where it's going to mesh a bit more with a lot more sports. There is definitely a lot more of a, a crossover into it. Like, like you said, John, at start that Venn diagram, the nutrition part now is going to be a big, big element to that because it's, it's, it's not the, it just goes down to the demands of the sport all the time um, and the more people look at it like that the more uh, the more it'll go in that that direction I think that famous line by James Martin fuel for the work required yeah and even like it's interesting that they say that I'm just eating normally but what has become normal to them has probably changed a lot since as mm. as knowledge around nutrition has grown over the past 10 years along with CrossFit and, and everything that way yeah it's probably as well important that like when we talk just there about why CrossFit has grown, particularly through the community aspect, and that I'd see it as being 
related a bit to self-determination theory and your autonomy, confidence, relatedness and that, and you like into a game, you want to move up through the levels of the game. You're, you're getting better, you're increasing your confidence, but you're doing it with a group of people and their relatedness. And the autonomy can tell you that if you're prescribed a diet or prescribed the same workout all the time, you have no autonomy in that and you lose interest. Where, Like I assume with some of your better athletes, they work with you a bit in designing their workouts and work with you a bit in designing their long-term periodized plans. Same as like, I assume Matt Fraser does it, Rich Froning as well, and gives them that sense of autonomy. And they want the same in their food. Like realistically, you need to eat your whatever, 160 grams of protein a day. But whether that comes from a shake, chicken, steak, whatever, leave that up to the person to give them the autonomy around what suits them best. And ultimately, that leads to more you know, long-term chances of sticking with it. Well, no, that, that's exactly it. As in the, the buy-in scenario is, is huge because you want to you wanna make it so that the, it's accessible to people. So it's ex- like, and that's where I suppose the, the, it's not a case of forcing someone to like, so if somebody's relatively advanced or they like say a field sport athlete, um, I know a number of field sport athletes that, that train with us in the, in the gym and they're, they can do a lot of movements. They can do their pull-ups, they can do some snatches, they can do some, uh, they can do loads of push-ups and whatever it is. They can, they can do a lot of good movements. Their movement isn't bad. So I'm not going to, if they just start from day one, I'm not starting them at absolute zero. I'm not bringing them all the way back to absolute zero. There's no point in, in doing that, but I have to be more conscious then of like, okay, well, know that they have a certain amount of, of awareness of movements, but this is still a hard game. You just maybe three or four levels into the game. Like, you know what I mean? But a huge amount of it comes back to the, um, I suppose the patience required for everybody to, to get to that point in, in time of progression, because the, the most challenging point is when you, you say something like a toast to bar and, or even a, a pull up and you're, the, the zero to one strict pull-up um, is very different than the one to three strict pull-ups, than the three to 10 strict pull-ups, and extremely different than the three to five kipping pull-ups, 15 to 20 kipping pull-ups. Like it's an absolute world of difference. Like they're massive chasms with bridges there, but the bridges are sketchy as hell. Um, and unless you are really okay with going that far across the bridges, like, do you do most people need 25 kipping pull-ups? No, they don't. They just <laughs> straight up don't. But if they're interested enough in it, okay, well, then they're going to need to do the work for it. And they're going to need to accept that this is the challenge that you're you're taking on. And you need to have all of these different attributes. You need to have strong hands. You need to improve your grip strength. You need to improve your shoulder strength. You need to improve your quality of skill that you're actually doing to get these. It's not a case of one or two. If you're going to be on the pull-up bar for a minute, doing 25 kipping pull-ups. Can you hang off the bar for a minute? Can you hang off the bar while swinging for a minute? Like all of these different bits and pieces, I suppose that's where our, our jobs as coaches is to, to break it down steadily but surely um, and still still give enough light at the end of the tunnel that you're going to get there, but be also quite realist <laughs> in, the, uh, in the approach. It's a tough one. No, I'm I'm just conscious of your time there now. This is oh, like, this is this has been excellent. Like I've been yeah. like just a few times. I just want to sit back and be like, oh, I'm just letting you go. I don't want to ask any more questions. <laughs> oh, you're thinking you're like the crazy crossfit guy is just raving off again. So <laughs> yeah. I actually have I have one question for you, Podrick. It's kind of it's a bit of a strange one, but I'll, actually I'll let you deem if it's strange or not. But crossfit, given that it's so technical in so many different aspects, there seems to be a relatively low barrier to entry to becoming a crossfit coach. So it might be the problem of kind of being more an affiliate than, than the game itself. 
But then second part of that is, do you find an issue with, say for example, if someone did a CrossFit class in Cork with a bad coach, they're more likely to say, or oh, I don't like CrossFit at all, because it's probably all the same everywhere. Whereas if they did an S&C class in Cork, they're very unlikely to go, right, S&C is bad. I'm never going to do S&C again. So do you find issues with that? Yeah, no, very much. Like it's, um, so there's at the moment kind of 14,000 odd CrossFit gyms around the world. So no different than you guys with it, with lots of different, if we looked at 14,000 14, different teams, like the quality of, of some of those coaches is going to be obscenely bad compared to obscenely good. And um, I suppose I, prime, I, I have tried and I continue to try to um, be around as smart a coaches as possible and, and learn as much as possible from them. Because again, it's just like anything. If I, if I go into a, like with the Camogie team that I, I was working with at the start of the year, like my main, I wouldn't be a huge Camogie person before that, but I'm very aware that it is a field sport. These are the demands. This is such and such. This is what's required. This is where they're at and identifying where they're at and so on. Um, and I just do my due diligence of educating myself on exactly how I should be training these athletes. Um, the problem with CrossFit sometimes, yes, is, uh, is it's a very easy kind of barrier to entry. But I think the problem it can be a low enough barrier to entry. The problem, uh, are, a lot of the time, that can be found out quite quickly, though. Um, and one of the challenges we have at the moment, I think, is that you'll have a lot more people, a lot more coaches that are into it, and they are starting to get into it at a, an earlier age, so to speak. So their experience level would not be very, very big. That said, we also have an awful lot of people who don't have any background in CrossFit or awareness, like I mentioned earlier on, and they're coming in now from lots of different activities, be it from swimming or cycling or football or whatever it is, or just general gym. So they they don't really have a very high expectation for what it is or what the coaching is. So when they receive good coaching, they're like, Jesus Christ, or else they actually are like, I don't know. I didn't even know the difference really there between a good coach and a bad coach. Cause we're just supposed to be doing burpees all the time anyways. Yeah. And so being shouted at. Yeah. <laughs> so the the kicker really, I think, comes back to um, the experience levels. Like the, I like I suppose that you guys are the same. You put yourself in a position where you're learning from the best people, but you're also taking like a lot. Some of the coaches that I've been, I've um, I've learned from recently. I've taken some of their ideas, and then the rest, I'm like, that doesn't apply to me at all, because um, I just don't need it. Like, I, 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 or else I'm not ready at that stage yet. I have to build two or three more blocks before I get to that point. So if you start asking me guys, me about velocity based training and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not overly savvy on it. I'm aware of it and I know exactly what it is, but am I able to really program for it? Uh, I'm not going to say I am straight off because I haven't spent that time doing it, you know? Um, that said, I'm sure if I, if I needed to dig into it, I would spend a few months at it and kind of go, okay, I'm going to learn from who's at what, how does it apply exactly? What have I used? What have I done in my previous experience? That's going to help me and guide me in the, the right direction with that. Um, that's probably the biggest challenge. All right. Is there is a lot of absolute cowboys uh, and cowgirls tipping around. Um, it can be quite challenging, especially when the perception is of what, what CrossFit is. And I suppose that's one thing I like to kind of do with people is educate them and go, okay, well, look, this is exactly what you're trying to do. Like it's, this is a game you're trying to get involved in. You're a human being exploring this game, but you're also the one playing the game. It's not a case of like, well, you know, somebody else is going to do those exercises. Like you need to take care of this. 
And if you're not okay with this, then if you want to just go walking, that's fine. If you want to go swimming, that's fine. I'm not going to be annoyed at you. You know what I mean? Or if you're a field sport athlete, I, I'm not going to get anyway. If somebody's active, perfectly fine. But if you, if somebody comes in and goes, look, I, I don't really, I want to do CrossFit, but I want to do my kind of CrossFit. And I go, well, what exactly is your kind of CrossFit? And they go, well, I don't really know. And you're like, well, then you <laughs> just talk about your ass. You know what I mean? Or the opposite end of it is, um, you'll have the a lot of coaches who will who will just go back to the very early days and they will just live verbatim off exactly what it should be. And you're like, well, it's an affiliate model for a reason. It means that there's this open source model. So you can do what the hell you want. Obviously, you have to base it on straightforward principles of, of exercise phase and stuff. But rather than just hockey and people for the sake of it and just being a kind of egotistical character when it comes to that, I think it's, it's a poor way of, of approaching it. Um, there is a, a big challenge to that, but I think it will it will improve over time as people become more educated on what good CrossFit is and what bad CrossFit is, I think. I hope. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Okay. And to be fair, what you hear from like the majority of CrossFit boxes now is is very positive. It's kind of people at home doing their own workouts that has just a random pile of exercises thrown together to make you as, as sweaty and as sore as possible. It's where kind of the poor side of CrossFit is seen now, but the actual standards in the gyms is, I think, really kind of professionalized in the last few years. Well, from my yeah. outside perspective on anyway. Before we let you go, Parik, you do your own podcast, The Humble Coach. Yes. Um, feel free to plug that yourself on social media, anything like that there. Just let yourself wrap up there now. <laughs> yeah, so we're running your own uh, kind yeah, of so like you, you've oh, about 60 episodes there now. Listen to uh, 62 at the minute. Yeah, I finished one yesterday. All right, with Owen Bradley, is uh, it was really good, good, good chat. Um, yeah, so I've been joining it now the last few years. Uh, I kind of got stuck into it. I guess the, the Humble Coach podcast available on I think the majority of podcast places. I'm trying to, I, I'm always really bad for remembering, like, is it on there and on there and there? And I think it's on Spotify and, and Podbean as the main place and then iTunes as the, the kind of main spots, but Spotify is the, the big one. Um, I also, yeah, so I am I work as a, the head coach in CrossFit Galway. So if anybody's tipping around Galway and they want to, to get involved in CrossFit, give me a shout. Uh, any of the DM options are, are reasonably good. Um, the I also own a, a company called The Performance Path, which is my online coaching um, company as well. So... Um, that's kind of a bit more aimed towards, I suppose, people who have some level of, of experience um, and some some gym experience, and it's just a, a way to help them push on their skills and, and push on their um, their abilities and certain work, help them work on certain areas that they might be under pressure with injury wise or or strength wise and stuff like that and skill wise. So that's just another option to to kind of play with. But yeah, anything any any other ways you can get in touch, we'd be be happy to to go for. Yeah. So thanks a million for your time, Park, and I'd highly recommend your your episode. I think it was actually done over two episodes with uh, Paul Kilgannon because he's just he's a bit mad, but his his ideas are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Paul's fantastic. I I, I must actually get onto him again. I was only onto him the last day. I must uh, I have to get him back on for another one, but hopefully it won't be. <laughs> it was a really long one that one, but it was brilliant. Uh, well worth it. Well worth it because he's he's absolutely class. No, thank you very much, Park, for your time and uh, keep an eye out for us. And hopefully in the future, when we get up around the sixty-two episode mark, we'll try and have you back on again to talk about how CrossFit has evolved. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, really appreciate it guys thanks so much for that for that and it's uh, it's class the uh, episodes are really great so far so keep it up uh, you'll get there no doubt at all